0: in the Messiah community radio talk show this is michael james Lauren, your host gabrielle nistico is magnifico when it comes to voiceovers. <laughs> business first voiceover coach and she's also a thriving voiceover actor white castle walgreens tiffany and company the u.s army and more a demo and audio producer a marketing guru to voiceover talent across the u.s and of course, you could learn about Gabby with just give out the website, Gabrielle Mistico, N I S T I C O.com. Welcome to the program.
1: Hi, thank you so much.
0: And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio. Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton Stage Rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. You go on YouTube, and uh, the first thing you notice is that you welcome people into your world, you know, into the world of voiceover, and which a lot of people, it seems like every year, more people are interested. And so, are you surprised, uh, you know, the correspondence out of nowhere, it's like they find you?
1: Oh, man, they really do. Um, Some days I am, yeah. I'm still a little bit surprised by it. I I don't take things for granted in this business, and I I think that... um, some days it really does surprise me uh, who finds me, where, how, um, and, and I'm, I'm always uh, grateful for that. I think it's, it's wonderful and I try to help and, and, and be that resource that I didn't have when I got started in the industry.
0: People should know you have two great books. Okay, Vo One Hundred and One: Everything You Need to Know to Start a Voiceover Career. The other one, How to Set Up and Maintain a Better Voiceover Business: A Complete Vo Business Guide to Help You Stay Organized, Focused, and Goal-Oriented. And we've had other people on the show, of course, for voiceover. But if you put all the knowledge together in all the books, you get Gabrielle Nistico's books. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was reading. I say you have everything, and it's so thoughtful. And it's like right away. You You feel like okay you're an advocate, an absolute advocate you know sometimes people you know they look back in their life, I wish my dad uh, filled me in on life and gave me more information, so I know what I'm doing. You fill everybody in on on everything, especially how to run a business, which uh, you have uh, quite a background in doing
1: yeah it, it you know I, I've always said that uh, for creatives uh, and, and just the acting arts in general, not just voiceover, performers at large um. Our, 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 one downfall usually is the running of a business. It's, it's not a strong suit for people. It's not even something that we always think about when we get started in, in one of the creative arts. So, um, I saw a need really early on in that for, uh, the voiceover community and, and said, you know, this is where I'm going to focus and, and try to help people and try to be that resource. And, um, you know, since since then, I mean, my gosh, there's so many different avenues now, and so many different people are doing things with the business side of voiceover, which is which is great to see. But when I started, it, there was nobody. It, you were just kind of, you know, three sheets to the wind, going, "All right, well, what do I have to do now? Oh, wait, I have to do accounting. What?"
0: <laughs> so. You know, I guess people think that just, you know, you get the microphone, it all falls into place, and uh, <laughs> and you could not be more real about telling people that is not true, and. Uh, yep. So, you know, that's that's what we love is is the truth, you know, and so you fill everybody in on every type of subject. I mean, uh, just the table of contents uh, alone, as far as uh, uh, dialects, all the way from breathing and warm up and copy and, and just everything. So no, no one's going to miss out on anything. Uh, honestly, you could have charged like $100. People probably could have bought it because, you know, uh, it, the content is... Um, It's really, it's wonderful. And now you also do, of course, the coaching and and you do, uh, what, Skype too or or Zoom?
1: Yeah, I I do a little bit with people remotely. Um, I'm a little particular about remote training simply because I I have to honor uh, my own philosophy and belief there, which is that I still think... Someone who's just getting going just starting in this industry will always benefit the most from working live in studio with a coach. So for for people who are brand, brand new, I'm not a huge fan of Zoom Skype training, but for folks who are maybe a little bit down the road, have already started to build their home studio, have a, yes, people like that, and of course, experienced voice actors, I will work with remotely. um, And I do have uh, quite a few people who come to me throughout the the Southeast and the Carolinas and and track me down and um, come visit me on a fairly regular basis, which is always nice.
0: (laughs) tell us a little bit about you because you're so interesting on on youtube you know in videos that people see uh you know (laughs) you you share a lot of yourself and about the the business and you're very transparent not just in the way you deliver voiceovers but in in the person that you are so you know tell us about you i'm sure there are a lot of people are saying and who is that person and and sometimes you got do you always have the blue hair or just sometimes
1: uh uh, lately it's been a staple i think i think sadly youtube has kind of cemented it into no, a more permanent spot. Can change now. <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah, so so here lately, yes, it's been it's been pretty regular. Um, How I, you
0: start? I mean, you started with you were a corporate person, right? I think.
1: No, 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 no. Um, so my start goes all the way back to radio in the mid '90s, and I was uh, literally a kid in the suburbs of New York City, and uh, kind of fell in love with radio and advertising. Didn't really have a sense of what I was doing. Initially, I wanted to be in sales. I wanted to be more on the marketing side of things. I wanted to be more behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And the the mentors that I had at the time were were kind of pushing me in the performance area. And I was like, all right. So uh, that sort of evolved. And um, I ended up becoming a DJ and spent many years on air and then also in production. Uh and and kind of always, I think really that was my first love was was staying again a little bit behind the scenes. So when I found production work and voiceover, I was like, okay, this is this is for me. This is great. Um being on the air was never my prime objective. And uh it just sort of evolved from there. I I worked at a number of different advertising agencies and I worked for a couple of audio production companies and um, post music houses and um Voiceover was just kind of always there until it really got to the place where it was my primary earnings and primary income, and I was like, "All right, well, it's time to really do something with this."
0: How did you get to that place? I mean, you know, I mean, just incrementally, or did all of a sudden, you know, people just kind of connected (laughs) with what you were doing?
1: Um. Well, yeah. I I mean, I I wish I could tell you that there was like one really defining thing. I'm very driven, so it was always just being very aware of opportunities and networking and ways to get my my name, my voice out there. Um, the start of it really was kind of funny. In the in the '90s, there was a a, a SAG strike, a writers' strike, and you know, I was so young. I, I was 17 years old. I knew nothing about you know the union and 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 how any of that worked. And um, I ended up basically. Uh, taking on some jobs while this strike was going on. And uh, when the paycheck came, you know, my, my parents and I kind of sat down and had a little bit of a laugh about, you know, how do I make more of that money Mm. and (laughs) less of the radio income, which was significantly less. And that, that kind of got my, my wheels turning and and sort of uh, propelled that forward. But I mean, I also joke that I got my ass kicked up one side of Manhattan and back down the other because it, it, you know, it's brutal. It's the acting world is tough and you really got to be uh, okay with rejection and be able to um, take criticism and, and learn from that and grow from that and, you know, really put your ego completely aside and uh, it, it took years. I mean, I think it really, um, you know, it's been a 20-year journey for me. And, I'm, and it's still a journey, still growing, still learning, still evolving. I just like
0: the fact that you make people feel comfortable with them. I mean, you're, you're saying first that, you know, you feel comfortable with you. You make that known. And you're yourself and transparent. Don't be someone you're not. And then other people feel that way. And in watching the videos, you ever pe- people feel like you're like their, their voiceover therapist? And <laughs> people are like, hey, it's okay to be myself. I mean, there's so much more though to just in the delivery and everything. It comes from the person, right? So, you know, yeah. you want people to be transparent and you talked about that in your book that, you know, you can either have a pretty voice or an ugly voice. And you talked about the pretty voice being for, you know, corporation type of stuff or whatever. Uh, but the ugly voice, forgive me if I'm, or I think I have it right. Mm-hmm. is more just natural, you know, it's just, it's real and it's gritty and, and just like real life is. So it, it seems like people kind of get it wrong when they first start. They think they got to be perfect. And you're teaching people, you know, get, get to know the nuances of how you really talk.
1: Most definitely. Um, it's a, it's a mistake that we all make. I made it for sure. It, it's the starting point of, yes, you have to be perfect. You have to sound a specific way. Everything has to be on point and, and diction and enunciation and all of these things. And, you know, lose your accent and and don't, basically don't, don't be a person. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's sort of the starting place. And still, I get dozens of phone calls like this a week from people who go, oh, you know, everyone tells me I have a great voice. Everyone compliments my speaking voice. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's, that's terrible because you don't want, <laughs> you, don't want them. <laughs> you really don't. And for me, it took years. It took years to sort of evolve out of that and embrace that as well. And I think my voiceover career didn't really start to take off until I accepted that and said, you know what, it's, it really, this, this notion or this idea of perfectly polished isn't real yeah. and you know as as advertisers have moved into this direction and the whole industry really has moved to a place where it is raw it is grittier it is more genuine i mean even even just you know acting you can you can compare what's on television now compared to what it was 10 years ago 15 years ago and go oh my gosh there's such a there's such a change in the delivery.
0: I'm thinking of like a husband and wife where, you know, back in the day was like, Fred, yes, Mabel. And it was, you know, just quick one on one, you know, now it's everyone's so real. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so, you know, we're, we're trying to capture that in voiceover just the same as anywhere else. and, for voice actors, though, it's hard because we're, we're so inside of our head. We're so, you know, t- literally trapped in our own thought process all the time. So to, to be able to break out of that, I think, does take a little bit of um, psychology and, and kind of delving and, and going, yeah, okay, you know, we, we need to embrace who we are first and then it all sort of clicks.
0: Well, your personality definitely transfers over to the written page as well. And people ought to know that in getting your books, you know, VO 101, everything you need to know to start a voiceover career. The other one we'll talk about, too, is, of course, how to set up and maintain a better voiceover business just to get an idea of how it transfers over. You talk about desperation, stay away. (laughs) (laughs) Like love, desperation is difficult to define because it's intangible, yet you know it when you see it. It is that feel that you can leave you with mixed emotions. Pity, disgust, contempt, and occasionally nervous laughter can all be elicited from a desperate attempt to reach a voiceover buyer. Do you reek of desperation? I mean, and then you, and these are so real because I think if people can't look at that side of themselves that... Uh, People have to call out and say, "Wait a minute!" You know, you could save an awful lot of time in how you deliver communication to uh, looking for an agent or uh, a buyer, and so. Um,
1: and that's just it. You 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 actually put your finger on the pulse of of, of the whole process. It. For me it's always been about saving other people mistakes. I've gone, look, I have been there, I have done it. If if there was a mistake to be made in this industry, I made it, no doubt in my mind. And because I we didn't have the kinds of coaches and mentors and and resources that we have now, I said, you know what, I'm I'm gonna be brutally honest and go, Yeah, here's everywhere that I screwed up and this is how you prevent making those mistakes and fast track because that's i think what a great coach is is really for it it's really about helping you to avoid avoidable mistakes
0: i like the heart-to-heart at the beginning of how to set up and maintain a better voiceover business dear reader and you start writing, right away there's a heart-to-heart you know as far as uh, when i first started offering business and marketing training you go on to really speak directly and to what people are in for and it's a heart to heart and then and then quickly you see hey this this ain't no joke that all of a sudden there is uh, essential items that you're going to need and there's a checklist okay. and, and there is a, a schedule like yes you actually have to wake up at a certain time you can't <laughs> whenever you want 9am check emails file papers organize the day so if you really want to be successful you got to get this book i think because it, it it really everything from even marketing materials the the face of a dog and a wolf or something like that and and which one are are you when you market yourself you know what are we really doing when do we need a uh, uh, an actual photograph of ourselves or uh, or not and how do you really come across see there's a lot of interest a lot of introspection that goes on when you're going to put yourself out there and you tell people not so fast take your time before you do anything before you make a demo before you go on to pay for play site
1: absolutely um I, that's probably you know it's, it's a blessing and a curse on, on my end because it is the number one thing i find myself telling people slow down take your time wait research, know what you're getting into, it, 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 no matter what the, the specific thing is that you're dealing with at that moment. Um, from a coaching standpoint, it's, it's counterintuitive because I'm delaying that process of people spending money or, you know, buying a demo or, or buying a specific type of training. But I would rather that than see folks waste their money and spin their wheels. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, you said that, you know, even three to four years, get some training yeah. first, and people just dive in and, and the price of admission and some of these books, even just uh, how to go about the pay for play sites as far as, you know, not wasting the money and, and the horror stories or the preparation that really ought to be there before taking on an endeavor and learning how the system works, which a lot oh, yeah. of people don't know.
1: No, they don't, and and many people want it to be uh, super fast. I, I actually had a really bizarre encounter this weekend. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had someone, um, and this happens quite a bit. People people will end up texting me at you know all hours of, of the day and night, emails and you know direct uh, things through Messenger. And this somebody email uh, texted me, and and he had an initial inquiry and I, and I said, okay, here's what I'd like for you to do. Go to my website, take a look at this section, take a look at this area. These are going to be the the places that'll help you get going. And he responded back and he said, um, so I own a really successful business. And, uh, I tell you what, I I'll pay you $25,000 to fast track me. Wow. So, get me, get me in, just tell me to help me meet the right people and do the right. And I went, that is not how this works. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I found the whole thing very laughable. and, And I thought, my God, you know, there's, there's probably five people I could send this guy to right now. That would absolutely take that offer. Yeah, that would right. take that deal, and I'm like, that's that's not me. That's just not what I do, and that's what I had to explain to him. Um, and I don't know. I mean, who knows if he was if it was legitimate or not. Um, and but but in a, in a lot of ways, I'm like, man, there there are people that try to do that. They try to simply buy their way in. Um, because they, they think that, um, like some other careers, it, it really is who, you know, not what you know. And there is a little bit of truth to that, but at the end of the day, you can't book work in this industry if you don't have the skills to back it. So
0: it's so true. Yeah. Gabrielle, who are you? I mean, you know, you got a swag and confidence, and you have tons of uh, knowledge that you spread, and and you do it. Uh, I don't. How, how often do you actually record? Because you're all over the place on YouTube.
1: Um, for you mean, how often do I record the actual uh, Gift of Gab episodes? Yeah,
0: the videos, and yeah, and also you have a podcast.
1: Yeah, um, so Gift of Gab is only once a month. I, I try not to be overwhelming uh, with that for people. I mean, I feel like we all have enough you know, stuff that comes into our inboxes every day. My producer and I will usually film anywhere from five to six episodes at a clip and then release them slowly over the, the course of the preceding months. Um, I'm actually getting ready to record a bunch of them this Friday. And the podcast, uh, VO Boss with Ann Ganguza, we record weekly, sometimes mm, multiple times in a week. It just kind of depends on her schedule, my schedule, what we have to work around. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty packed, but it's, but it's fun stuff and it's fast moving. So it really, I don't know, they, they're, they're not burdenous. You know, people sometimes go, oh my gosh, these must take so much time. I'm like, no, I'm like, I love doing it. So it really doesn't take much time at all.
0: Is, can you take us like a little bit behind the scenes, maybe? Over what are some of the things that we don't get to see in some of those? I mean, because, you know, they're edited in a little bit, but I mean, you know, and and what about even your life? If you, if you take us behind the curtain or what? what
1: I mean, okay. So, so the behind the curtain in in a way is, is very funny. You know, I mean, most people understand, yes, that I work from home, but it's not like you're, you're really seeing what that means or my house. I mean, you know, most days I'm, I'm literally in uh, my pajamas or yoga pants at at the computer. My husband is uh, running around in and out with his work schedule schedule i have a the a great pyrenees who never shuts up <laughs> um i kid you not three quarters of my recording day is spent yelling at the dog <laughs> and telling her to be quiet so that i can record uh, and i've tried it all i've tried bribing her i've tried reasoning with her i've tried threatening her none of treats it a little treat dog treats You can't, know. you can't, I mean, Great Pyrenees, they're they're one of the most stubborn breeds. Nothing does it. Nothing. (laughs) I've tried. I've tried it all. (laughs) Uh, You know, so the day-to-day is is very funny. Um, It's a little bit chaotic. There's a lot of people coming and going. I I have a hell of a support staff, and that's something that a lot of people don't see. Um, to, To be able to do all of what I'm doing, there's two, three, four, five different people behind that between editing filming recording uh post-production um administrative i mean i i have quite a bit of staff and we eat a lot of pizza around here that's um that's another one that people don't see too often <laughs> i mean a lot of pizza I'd
0: like to work for you <laughs> yeah. That
1: yeah. sounds fun. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun kind of loose environment. It's, um, it's strict in a sense because I'm, I'm very focused. I'm very driven. It, and the people who are around me kind of know there's a, there's a sort of zone that I get into where I'm so hyper-focused that nothing else around me exists. And I tune everything else out, and it it can almost be misconstrued as um, being rude. And I'm like, well, mm, that's not totally accurate. I, I hear you, but I'm so focused on what I'm doing that I'm not going to acknowledge what you're saying until later. <laughs> So that happens a lot. Um, and, you know, part of that is at the end of the day, I, I'm still very much a New Yorker. That that New York drive, that New York hustle has never left me. And um, so it, it kind of still rules the way I work. And I I had to learn, gosh, I mean, ooh, I'd say probably the first five years of my voiceover career were just learning how to work with people on the West Coast and how to not be abrasive or offensive to them. Like, I, you know, Anne and I joke all the time that the only reason the podcast works is because we're both from the Northeast. If, if she was a, a true Californian, we would probably rub each other completely the wrong way. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, you have to sort of know that personality type to be able to work with it. And it's, it's not easy, not, not by any means. So I'm, you know, I'm a, i am I am a hard person to work with when it comes to my own demands, my own company, my voice clients will tell you I'm easy because that's their show. It's whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I think people are a little surprised because they see, you know, that you're creative. I mean, when you look and, and appearances and, uh, uh and, uh, but there's something underneath there that, as you're saying, uh, you know that you are forced to be reckoned with when it comes to the focus in order to be successful so artistically you have it down as a coach you're extremely accomplished and but it's the business side of it I think that uh, doesn't get talked about as much and uh, and that's something that you bring out you want people to know that uh, don't don't be just a creative type please you you, you, <laughs> you plead with people please take this seriously
1: no, and, I, and I, you're, you're right. And I think if you, if you sort of look at my progression, and you can see it in photos, you can see it in, in just uh, the events that I've attended over the years. I was actually more conservative years ago than I am now. And I, I sort of evolved into letting my creative out and letting it be more known. I, I was like a closeted creative <laughs> in a very weird way. Mm-hmm. And I and it, well, I had a much more conservative image. Um, I, I evolved into that. I sort of, uh, part of that was just my own learning experience with myself. I, I had to embrace it. I had to be okay with it. I had to kind of accept who I am. I think my, my husband and my marriage has a lot to do with that, with me just growing and, and kind of um, being less concerned about what other people think. And um, yeah, so so in recent years, I've become much more colorful than people remember from years past in voiceover. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see now how people react to that because conservative Gabby, yeah, everybody knew, okay, she's, she's got her head on straight for business and she's a great resource. But now I really see people who come to me and go, you know, I like you. I like this person. I like what you represent. And that's that's really refreshing and, and nice for me because it kind of validates what I've done and it lets me go, okay, well, yeah. So it it was a good idea to really let people in and show them who I really am.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that a big part of voiceover? Once people do feel comfortable with who they are, uh, you know, have you seen careers take off for and, and, and your coaching too?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I Yes. The more, I think the more genuine people are, um, the bigger difference it makes. And, and for me and for a lot of other folks coming out of broadcasting, broadcasting is so polished. It's so veneered. Uh, there's so much phony. I mean, we even get into, you know, the, the broadcast sound, you know, all of that it's, it's so put on.
0: Like the chuckle, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Like it's, well, you know, because it's something that we were taught to do. We were, that's what we was expected. And we all just kind of you know, became good little soldiers and fell in line. And for a lot of us, it's, it's realizing, okay, to really be successful at this, I, I have to find out who I am because the, all of that, all the broadcasters, I mean, the reason they get lumped together is because they all sound the same. They all look the same. They all act the same. And then I go, and then there's Anderson Cooper. <laughs> you know, he emerged, he he kind of came forward, the Diane Sawyers, uh, Peter Jennings, you know, the people that weren't afraid to be different and to stand out from that pack were really the ones to, to dominate in the field. And and so, yeah, I think the same holds true for, for voiceover.
0: And it must be frustrating to people in radio who had success, you know, and then all of a sudden they can throw themselves out there and not be recognized only because You know, you have to be real, and they can't be. You said that pretty voice Mm -hmm. really real. So, um, I'm sure for a lot of people, it's it's difficult. But uh, do you like the the fact that there is a voiceover community, and there are other people? Do you find that uh, not just therapeutic for you, but I mean, do you lean on other people, and is that important to have support from other people in the industry?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, When I first moved to the Carolinas, uh, I was Devastated by by how few of us there were, and and how uh, difficult it was to find community and to find friends and colleagues, and so I, I did a lot of things were, were born of that. My my uh, voiceover meetup group came from just that fact that I was like, "Where the hell is everybody?" <laughs> and how how do I get some some quality human time? Because what happens is if we isolate you know we're pack animals we're not meant to be isolated so when we isolate too much we get to this place where we have no perspective anymore we're just recycling our own ideas over and over and well that means that if something's not working we're stuck in a loop we're not we're not evolving out of it ever so I think it's essential uh, my office is is kind of a, a testament to that. I have other folks who work here and share the studio with me and share the space with me. I don't have to have them here. I want them here. It's really nice to be able to actually have accountability and to have uh, interaction and to have people to bounce ideas off of and to just even, even just small talk and BS on a regular basis because it's healthy it's just nice to have. I've always said one of my, my big goals, big dreams would eventually be to create a co-op space specifically for voice actors where you, know, you had a couple of centralized booths or studios and then everyone just had sort of a, a collective work environment and they could rent it and, 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 and all yeah, work together. I, I think that would be a fantastic endeavor somewhere down the line. So I want to
0: ask you something. So how do you keep sharp? I mean, after all these years, as far as, uh, you know, are you looking at trends? Are you, because I know you're analytical and you're on the side, but I mean, how how deep do you get into all this as far as, uh, and you're also a casting director. We ought to talk about that too.
1: Yeah, uh, well, yeah. So as far as the trends go, I'm, I'm... Always, uh, I'm very conscious of them. Um, I track scripts. I pay attention to the analytics inside of scripts. Uh, you know, I subscribe to things like Adweek and The Hustle, and and try to really stay on top of what is going on in the business world, how that's uh, corresponding to the advertising world. Um, I I study. Other voice actors, I study the celebrity trends in voiceover to see what's happening there. Uh, I talk a lot to my agents about the kinds of trends that they're seeing and also what's happening on the casting side. Now, I, I actually haven't been a casting director for a number of years, but... Um, It's, I think people still think of me as one because they knew me as one for so, so very long. And it's not to say that I won't occasionally help someone out with a casting, but day to day, I have very little to do with that. I just don't have time for it anymore.
0: Well, let's talk about that though, because you know it goes on. I mean, people can hit their head against the wall <laughs> trying to. You're you're trying to help people. Hey, I know that you're new. I know you just subscribed. Let's just say to a pay-to-play site is someone who is just starting. Let's just say, okay, and you tell people don't don't do a thousand auditions like that. Don't don't do that. Learn how the system works, but also um, it's important to know what people are looking for. So if you're brand new. Okay, what, what are people looking for? Is If you're a casting, what what are some of the ways that they can streamline and not make so many mistakes and and uh, get the ear of the casting director?
1: So the thing you're going to see and hear constantly right now and asked for over and over and over again is conversational. We want someone who's conversational. We want someone who's real. We want genuine, which on the surface seems like a really good, easy concept right just be yourself sort of maybe uh, the problem for a lot of people when they're new to this is that they don't know what conversational means they don't know what that expectation actually looks like from the perspective of the hiring parties and so it is wise to really research that break that down have uh, you know as much of an understanding of it as you can and I think when it comes to coaching, um, it's it's getting different perspective. It's working with a couple of different people to really see some of the nuances and the differences, um, even of, of geography, like what's happening in casting on the East Coast is very different than what happens on the West Coast. And you don't know that if you haven't worked with a, with a coach on, on both sides and haven't really explored different techniques and different methods.
0: And how often do you put like, you're the way that you feel about things do you store thoughts and feelings in your mind and then take it out on the uh when you see this the script i mean how how much do you draw from your personal life when it comes to that that uh, library of emotions
1: oh it's it's a lot um so my my booth is covered with different emotion charts uh, different psychological, the, 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 pro, the I mean, they're different, you know, profiling charts. Some people use them, I think, as part of um, EBT, uh, literally just various faces or emojis and then the um, emotions that they represent. I, I use those constantly. Um, I collect them, <laughs> so, whether it's from my own uh, therapist or from a, a class that I might take, and then I incorporate those. I personally am a I'm like a, I'm a ruminator, which is a double-edged sword in my life. It can be a good thing or it can be really bad. And so that process of rumination has actually helped me quite a bit as an actor because I play things out over and over and over in my head and that really i think allows me to cement it into my mind and then to recall it later if i need to on the personal side eh, that's not always the best thing but
0: same <laughs> <Being> character <laughs> but yeah,
1: from standpoint it's worked out wonderfully <laughs>
0: So it, it, you're not just tough on students. I mean, you're you have forgive me like that not not BS detector. Okay, I did say yeah, that lie no, I detector. You know, for you have to be that way with you too because you have to keep it. Or, was I just real there? And uh, so you know, I mean, do you have that down, or are you always kind of keeping yourself in check? Am I being real on this thing here?
1: Oh, I think you're always keeping yourself in check. Um, you know, it's it's tough. Rob Paulson, who's just one of my you know, well, I mean, not just, I, he, he's a, he's a role model and a hero to so many people in this industry. He talks about how, you know, really our job at the end of the day is to be able to listen back to an audition, listen back to something that we did, whether it was last week or last month or last year, and still be satisfied with the decision that we made at the time. Did I, did I do the best that I could? Do I still agree with the choices that I made when I submitted that. And I, that's got to be one of the hardest challenges in our business. You know, I, I look up to him and I respect that so much. But when I try to do that for myself, I'm like, oh, no, duh, I don't like what I did mm-hmm. six weeks ago, six days ago. No. <laughs> so so it's, it's tough. But when you use that as a little bit of a test for yourself it, it does uh, make it so that you can more effectively self direct because it gives you a little bit of a guidepost. it gives you something to look toward um i also try it's it's so hard but i really try to take the subjectivity out of the self-directing process and i try to look at it as objectively as possible to give myself markers. Are these things technically accurate? Is this presentation correct? Because I can't possibly try to predict how someone's going to react from the standpoint of their opinion, but I can certainly uh, make sure that I'm hitting all of the, the technical marks to the best of my ability
0: and you know when i guess what you have to still mark do you do you mark up the uh, the script even if you have it do you have it like on a laptop or do you have it on a uh, one of those um ipads or uh do you slap people on the wrist for not marking up the script
1: <laughs> yeah i do um especially when they're just starting out if people don't mark up their scripts i i get really frustrated with that because i do think it's one of the best learning tools we have in my own studio uh here in the last few years i've i've gotten away from it for myself largely because uh we've gotten away from printing i i have a a a dual screen a split screen monitor that projects into my booth so i don't have to print every single thing every performance especially auditions i can just kind of knock through them uh digitally but if i'm traveling to a studio Um, if I am doing an actual job, a booked session of any kind, I always have a printout and yeah, by the time I'm done, it it looks like a very different piece of paper.
0: Well, you got yourself a brand new website, it looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, we just, um, thank you. We just did a a bunch of revamping and, you know, it's, (laughs) internet is moving so fast right now and web technology that, um it never ends. I mean, it seems like all I do is, is spend time tweaking and adjusting my websites. And then one day you sort of wake up and look at it and go, Oh dear. This you needs- do
0: This yourself. This is you. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, really yeah, impressive. It's, Very it's impressive.
1: Me and, and my staff. Um, not, not just me, but
0: uh, Gabrielle Nistico N I S T I C O.com. You should go on right now. I mean, it, it's all laid out there from coaching products, reviews, blog, the book uh, online, and, uh, but it's, it's orderly, which I love.
1: I try. Yeah. That's, that's important to me. I, I try. And, and, and some days you still can't, um, like I said, it's a never ending process. We're, we're always tweaking it. We're always trying to make it better. Um, you know, it's just the, the, the what we have to do now to keep up with our websites is, is pretty intense. And I think all, everybody with a website is going through that to some extent.
0: And I'm glad for people like me that at least the letters are sized I can read. You know what I mean? They're like, you know, good size. Even in your, you know, I was like, thank you, Gabrielle. You know, I'm looking here in, in good size font and, and everything. But... Um, Do you
1: know The hardest part about that is actually that most of my staff is in the millennial age group and they want to go with small font. I'm like, no, no, make the damn font bigger because <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us can't read it. <laughs>
0: That's funny. I mean, what? where would you add on? You didn't leave anything out in these books, but is there anything that you, uh, you know, when you think about the business or when it comes to, you know, creatively or just how you think of voiceovers, where else would you take it, as far as if you had let's just say book another book in you,
1: oh man, um I mean and here's the thing I update them pretty frequently, uh like via one o one is on its fifth edition, that's the one that's in print right now, and the sixth edition is what I'll be working on through the end of this year and uh, so i'm I'm always adding and, and tweaking and again kind of expanding upon things as they become more relevant in the industry. I think right now what we're seeing um, a lot of uh, that i'm I'm trying to help people navigate more is all of the conferences because there are so many group learning opportunities now that did not exist. Yeah previously in voiceover and they can be overwhelming it can be daunting it can be a lot of money people don't know you know where do i spend where do i invest which one do i go to why so yeah i think i think that's a a really important thing is is trying to help people just just figure out what their best move is when it comes to um large-scale voiceover events and um I think, uh, you know, gosh, aside from that, I mean, there's, there's just so many new pockets, so many new little niche areas of the industry that we're seeing evolve. And it's really cool to see them evolve. At the same time, I'm very big on, uh, directing folks to other experts in areas where I'm I'm not that strong because it's just not my forte. It's not what I do. So, you know, I find myself sending a lot of people to Andy Anguza and guys like Scott Brick and Pat Fraley um, because there are just certain things that I, I, you know we can't do it all. We can't. We can't possibly, and, and nor do I endeavor to. So I would much rather kind of pass the buck a little bit.
0: <laughs> you could do an African-American woman. I didn't know that. I was looking mm-hmm. at your stuff, and I was like, wow. I mean, wow, <laughs> you know,
1: I do a lot of character work, yeah, I yeah. do a lot of character voices, um, having grown up in New York, uh, that was kind of I think one of the biggest benefits to being raised in the melting pot uh, <laughs> I, I there since i mean it's as young as I can remember in just mimicking friends, uh, joking around with friends, you know, growing up with so many different. Uh, races and accents and voices and cultures—it it, it was fantastic. So I, I kind of kept all of that going. I mean, I can still um, do a pretty pretty decent Hispanic accent as well, which is really nothing but a variation of, of the Italian that that I grew up with with my mother. And um, you know, I get I get asked a lot to do um, nondescript type accents european african um just various continents because it it was something that i was around so much so yeah and and i love that but my my character work is um very realistic characters Mm. it's not the the more cartoony the 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 more animated stuff like some days i wish it was because there's just so much fun to be had there (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah mine mine verge on just um yeah, more more realistic, which which I do I do like as well though because it it um, it's afforded me the opportunity to work with some really amazing charity groups and some really great projects over the years.
0: Can I just ask you, if we if we do yeah. briefly, like um you know free freestyle here, likes and dislikes about the voiceover industry. Let's start with the likes. How about five likes and five oh, dislikes?
1: Oh my gosh! Okay, so wow. Okay, five <laughs> likes. Um. So working in a little padded room, okay. uh, <laughs> the unbelievable generosity um, and, and genuine kindness of our community as a whole.
0: Number two. Uh,
1: number three, the, the, your representation and the people who work to get you work every day genuinely want to see you succeed. Uh, number four, um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of fame that comes with what we do and, and it's a nice ego boost and it is fun to be able to talk to people (laughs) about what we do and get that little, you know, twinge of, yay, someone recognized me. Mm. Uh, And, of course, number five, I think for me personally, is what it's afforded me. Uh, I am very, very happy with what voiceover has allowed me to accomplish personally and professionally. And, um, you know, the the income certainly doesn't suck. And, and yeah, my life would be very different if I was doing something else.
0: Well, you answered them perfectly. I mean, and we want to talk about the dislikes. Before we talk about the dislikes, uh, maybe somewhere you can interject for people how to find balance. You're a married woman, and uh, perhaps you could talk about some of the ways that to create balance. You know, because I think a lot of people don't always have that in mind in, in order to succeed. Do you have to have balance in this, or or do you have to be un, imbalanced if you will, to do this uh, and successfully? And then, uh, you know, we want uh, you know couples to stay together, everything like that in in, in marriage. And so, um, what's the secret?
1: When, you know, I'll tell you, I had to learn how to become balanced. And I actually credit my husband with that. When we met, it was a big, big issue for him that I was always on. Uh, I was always taking business calls, always checking email, always on social media. I was literally afraid to turn work off. And, um, we had a big heart to heart not long before we got married where he said, you know, when I leave work every day, I leave work and I need the same from you. I need that courtesy. Uh, So I had to learn. I had to learn to shut things off. I had to learn how to set business hours. I didn't have hours before him. I just worked till whenever and just, (laughs) just kind of kept going. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and there are a lot of people in voiceover who still believe that you have to do that. They believe that that's essential. We, we, you don't get, you don't get to take a day off. We work seven days a week. You don't get to go on vacation. Hmm. You always have to be available. Here's the, I don't know, irony, I guess for me in that since getting married and setting the boundaries and starting to keep very clear, defined lines. I do not work weekends. I do not work past seven o'clock at night, most nights, unless it's a special thing. Um, you know, I, my business has actually done better and it's grown and it's increased and I've seen more success by setting those boundaries than where it was before. So,
0: that was very important because uh, that, that desire to succeed and uh, sometimes people think maybe that they have to be a little imbalanced, but just between you and I, so you don't sometimes like four in the morning, you don't sneak into the room to just do one voiceover or mm-hmm. no? no.
1: Okay. No. As a matter of fact, it's to a point now where my clients actually know if you are calling me uh, way past hours or on a weekend and you expect me to get in the booth, it's going to come at a premium. Hmm. And it's so as a result, I've I've made it somewhat unattainable.
0: Um, I like what you just said because you have to have a you can't succeed, and all successful people say they they have to have some sort of balance, and they have to have a family life, and it can't just be mm-hmm. about this. So that's important. Yeah. Okay.
1: Now, and that's, it's not to say I won't make an exception. I always tell people that my like my clients know if it if if it's an emergency, and I always say that with a big. I roll because there's no such thing as a voiceover emergency, <laughs> but if there is What's the name of your next book, um, Voice you know,
0: emergency, that's the next, that's it.
1: It doesn't, it's not real. Uh, but yeah, if I will make the exceptions for people, of course, I, I'm not unreasonable, but, uh, no, you know, new clients, new business. No, all, those things can wait. They can wait till the next business day. For twenty
0: five thousand dollars, Gabrielle will do the voiceover. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just just kidding. But okay, so now five things that you dislike about the voiceover field.
1: <sighs> okay, so I'm going to start where I began. Um, the little padded room, because some days it's not your friend. Um, so there, you know, some days it's great, and some days not so much. Uh, the the fact that the industry can be very isolating if you allow it to be, if you don't make enough of an effort to make friends, meet people, socialize, um, again, get out of your own head.
0: Okay. We're, I think we got,
1: <laughs> I don't know if
0: that was all five and one you did. I think it could have been, but go ahead. I don't
1: know. I don't know. It may, maybe it was, maybe it was. It's the hard thing. It's, it's very <laughs> it's difficult for me to think of things that I don't like about this industry. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I'd say, I'll tell you one of the funny ones is not leaving the house. Really? That one, that one truthfully is hilarious. Yeah. That, um, Fridays come around and I, you know, my husband and I, speaking of our boundaries, you know, we we still do Friday date night and he will come in the door from work on Friday and I'm there like, like one of the dogs, like, can we go now? Are we ready? Can we leave? Let's go somewhere. We should go out. Where do you want to go? (laughs) Because I can't wait to leave the house. (laughs)
0: And, uh, and you don't keep it in the phone. Are you like, what do they have like an Apogee mic or something? And, and, a, an iPhone, you don't have like something in the, in the glove compartment. You won't do that or.
1: No, no,
0: no. Okay.
1: I, I, there's, there's a lot of reasons why I won't. Uh, the biggest one truthfully is quality. I, I you know, yeah. travel rigs have to really either be incredible. They, they have to either be the same quality of what I can produce at my studio or nothing. Yeah. Um, because I just, I won't sacrifice the quality. Um, But no, I I mean, I have an Apogee that only comes out if I'm going to be on vacation for more than a week and I'm going to be somewhere where I don't have alternate studio access, which I almost always do. So yeah, um, I just don't.
0: Final question. Mm -hmm. What's the weirdest request that anybody has ever made about uh, first the business side and then, when it comes to the actual doing a voiceover weirdest request ever?
1: Oh, wow. Um, on the business side, I would say the weirdest request has probably been anytime I've, I've had to, um, do a foreign language casting. That's really obscure. <laughs> um, you know, Urdu or, um, tagalog or you know some some just really really unusual language or dialect that's so that I'm like how am I going to even find a voice actor who does this (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know where this person might be hiding uh those those were always a fun challenge and on mic gosh I I think for me, I, I, you know, I don't get to ask to do a lot of really weird stuff. I I think for me, probably the funniest thing is that I get asked to do a slow read faster all the time. Hmm. Um, Literally, it's the make it sound slow, but do it faster. Uh, I always find those to be hilarious. Yeah. And
0: you tell people in your book, too, that, you know, if there are things that you're not comfortable doing, don't do it. You tell people, don't go for all, er, you know, everything. If yeah. it's against your values, so don't do it. If it yeah. seems strange. And I like that you, uh, you, there are a lot of ethics in in the way that you run a business and the way that you instill good ethics in people in voiceover. Gabrielle Nistico, the Magnifico, uh, VoiceOver 101, Everything You Need to Start a VoiceOver Career, great book, and uh, also How to Set Up and Maintain a Better VoiceOver Business. Get it if you're serious and you will succeed. It's a complete vo- uh, voiceover business guide to help you stay organized, focused, and goal-oriented. And she's one of the best in the business. And go on her website, too, Gabrielle Nistico, N-I-S-T-I-C-O.com. And uh, you're taking on new clients always, or?
1: Yeah, um, I I mean, I I certainly will make time to speak with anyone who's aspiring or new to this industry or or who's been in it for years. Um, I can never predict what my schedule will look like at any given time, but I will absolutely make time to at least... Talk and um, you know make a recommendation for you.
0: Thanks for helping us all to be real and get down to the business aspect as well, but uh, and helping people find themselves. It's a great industry, and you. Uh, you helped a lot of people succeed. Gabrielle, thank you so much for being on the program.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: Our sponsors, with over ninety years' experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit hamiltonstands.com. And Orlex Acoustics has one mission.